0: By way of introduction, I, when Ken said to me on Sunday night, how do you feel about taking the, the Bible study on Wednesday night? I said, Ken, I'd love to. Thank you. Because I, I, I'm a preacher. I preach around the province. have been preaching for many as a year. But this year, there's hardly been any preaching. Ken's preached out. <laughs> but for the preachers there's nothing because of this upheaval, and we're not getting anywhere. And to have an opportunity to bring God's word, I'm thankful to the Lord for this tonight. But on Monday, I was void. Monday night, I was void. Nothing was there. And I was saying, Lord, what message? What message is it for Wednesday night? Give me the message. And I went to bed Monday night. And I have to admit, I was troubled because I don't normally have that... You know, I'm normally getting the word and the Lord gives me the word pretty quickly. And then news was coming through about uh, Bev's mum had been readmitted into hospital. And uh, about quarter past four on the Tuesday morning, I got up out of bed, couldn't sleep. And I went away to just a wee... Room in the house to be quiet with the Lord, and I was praying for Shirley. I'm praying for many other people as well, and I says, "Lord, I haven't got the word yet." And suddenly, just like that, the Lord says, "Go and bolster up my troops," and I says, "Lord, me bolster up the troops." And I'm the one needed bolstered. The Lord says, No, bolster up the troops. I says, Right, Lord, lead me where to go. So, yesterday and this morning was in the Word, gave Ken the title last night, and the title is The Believer's Battlefield. And we're going to be looking at bits of Scripture here, some very familiar. Perhaps one part is not very familiar and it's a part that the Lord spoke to me over the last five, six weeks when I was in a low place. I want to tell you, friends, I was in a low place. I had never been in a low place like that before in my life. I'm 43 years saved. And I have ministered around the province, ministered in Poland, ministered in Germany, in the UK. I've buried people I have been many a week around the coffin. I buried my mother and father, my only child, buried my mother and father, buried my uncles and aunts. And the Lord got me through those, through the grieving process. But something happened there five, six weeks ago that I never had experienced before as a believer. And I'll touch on that shortly. If you have your Bible with you this evening, we're going to turn to... 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 is is our our introductory verse just to get us into this. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 10. As you know, there's been a letter sent to young Timothy a letter of encouragement, a letter straight to the point, a letter of example. Paul's making a, an example of how the laboring and the suffering was going on with them. But we can draw alongside this, dear believers. because this is what it says. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, Especially of those that believe. You're a believer tonight, a born again believer. I've gone away from the term Christian. I would have used Christian 30 years ago easily. And people would have come forward and said, I'm a Christian. I've asked the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. But nowadays, I look for the term a born again believer one that is genuinely saved, one that is grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. That's the key thing. And if you're a born-again believer tonight, sitting here, or if this has been recorded listening in, if you can look back to that time in your life when you accepted Christ as your Savior and you came under the cleansing stream of precious blood, confessed your sin, and know that your sin is washed away, well then, you're what's known as a born-again believer. You're a believer. Especially of those that believe. And the task of a believer is to enjoy the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ into the heart. But it's not about sitting about. It's about representation as well. It's about speaking out for Christ and seeking those who are still lost to be saved. In other words, the labor. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Now, if you're working for the Lord, if you're doing for the Lord, if you're speaking for the Lord, you will suffer reproach. I'm amazed at how many people I meet when they scratch their head, when they say, I don't understand what you mean that you're suffering. How can it be that you're suffering? I have never known known that, what, what you're going through. There must be something wrong. You're doing something wrong. And my answer to them is, no, I'm doing something right. And if you're doing something right for the Lord, dear friends, you can expect to suffer. Because it, it, it is displeasing someone. It is displeasing the devil. While at the same time pleasing the Lord. And we want to look at this this evening, the believers' battlefield. We're in our battlefield. This is a battlefield that we are in that we have never, ever known before. Certainly, I I haven't known anything like it. There's a spirit of heaviness about. There's a spirit of weariness about. There's a spirit of loneliness about. There's a spirit of despair about. Sister shared with me on Lord's Day afternoon to drive and She says, I detect an awful heaviness and weariness. And I, Sister, says, Sister, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. But you know, I think of that lovely verse God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? Sound mind. And we need to claim this. We need to claim the sound mind tonight. The mind of the Lord and not the mind of the devil. Because the devil is the chief of mind games. This battlefield, when we're going to look at it, I can tell you it's complicated. It's real. And I can tell you, for a lot of elderly believers, it's beyond understanding for them. It really is. I share fellowship with many elderly believers. What I mean by that is, in their 70s and their 80s, men and women that were saved in simple days, all they knew in their life was simplicity. Brought up at their mother's knee with the lovely texts and verses of Scripture. Brought up with the lovely chorus singing, the hymns of old. Brought up in simplicity, enjoying the Lord. It's different now, isn't it? We face so much difficulty in our worship. We face so much difficulty in fellowship together. We face so much difficulty in our own personal way to be alone with the Lord. Such is the fast pace of today's life. We are in a battlefield. And those who believe suffer reproach as they labor for the Lord. We trust in the living God and praise God. And our, our, our brother Ken, Pastor Ken, has opened up with a stirring opening prayer. Praise God for that prayer. Why, that shook the very foundations there of that opening prayer. Because that was an inspired prayer. Good to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. I remember the story of a a funeral down outside Felt. Ruth, same as fiance's from down that part of the world there. And there was this dear man, and he was buried. And the minister had preached in the church, and they'd all gathered around the graveyard. And the undertaker wondered why the minister wasn't coming forward. And he scratched his head again. He was looking at his watch, and he went over to the minister. And he says, are right, He says, He says, I can't do this. He says, "What? What do you mean?" He says, "I can't." He says, "I have left my prayer book in the church." And then the says, well, he says, he's not going to run up there." He says, "Leave this with me," and he went away into the third. Spied a man that he knew from a particular assembly, and he would to him, "Is can you help me?" He says, "What's wrong?" And he says, I'm there. He's left the prayer book in the church." He says, "Could you come and pray?" He says, "Oh well," just like that. They passed the canons, inspired the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest prayers that probably was prayed around the side, while the coffin was been lowered into the grave. Left your mom there in a the queer mess, didn't it? Had to read a prayer. Had to read a prayer. Sad when you have to read a prayer, isn't it? Sometimes we question things, don't we? And God gives us a gift of discernment. It's a wonderful gift. The believer's battlefield. I want to look First of all, four things. I'm mindful of time here. I could actually break this into about four weeks so I could in the Bible study. There's not much in it that the Lord gave me yesterday. For, from not having nothing on Monday, I tell you that the net was full yesterday and last night, I could hardly contain it. First of all, we're going to look at sin, the greatest battle ever. We have to go to the cross. Then secondly, we're going to look at the strategies of Satan and his Demons. Thirdly, we're going to look at the strategies for the believer in the battlefield. And then, fourthly, the strength, security, and solace through the blood. Now, we're going to try and get through this, if we can. First of all, we're going to go to Job. Look at Job 41, verse 80. You turn with me to some scriptures here with me tonight, if you will. As you know, it was Remembrance Sunday, and today at 11 o'clock... There was the remembrance time. When the fallen, those that gave the ultimate sacrifice were remembered. And many a the time when I've been asked to speak at a particular place on a Remembrance Sunday, I always like to go to this verse on a Remembrance Sunday. But I also like to go to this verse around the table. And indeed, I've preached it in the Gospel. Job 41 and verse 8 says these words. Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. For context, this is the story of the Leviathan. The comparison to the great beast. that's caught, captured, it's remarked upon. But I like to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. I always like when I study Scripture to draw a comparison to the Lord. I look for types of Christ in my study time, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I like to draw comparisons. I like to draw contrasts. And that's the way Scripture should be, allowing the Lord to lead in the study of the Word that you come ultimately to God's Son. And what he has done for us. And when we think of sin, it's the greatest battle ever that was fought. Now we're not going to, to in any way disrespect or undermine the sacrifice given by men and women and boys and girls on the battlefields in world wars over the years. They paid the ultimate and final price that we might have liberty and freedom today. We thank God for such people as that. But can I tell you dear friend. As born again believers here this evening. The Lord Jesus Christ. Went into the greatest battle of all for you and I. And that was to deal with your sin and my sin in its entirety. And there had to be a battle. It was no light measure this. This battle was severe. It was severe emotionally, mentally, and physically upon God's dear beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, they laid their hand upon him, all right. But the time they had finished with Christ, he was barely recognizable, as you know. His visage more marred than any man's, it says in Isaiah 52. Oh, they laid their hands on him. And when we remember the battle, the greatest battle that ever, ever, ever existed, more than any World War II battle, World War I battle, Falklands War, Iraq, you could go all around Afghanistan, go to every battle. Listen, dear friend, the greatest battle took place at the place called Calvary, where the Lord Jesus Christ hung on that center cross bearing your sin and my sin in his own body. And every drop of that precious blood that was shed was shed for you and for me that we might have freedom. Freedom from the awful burden of sin that was taken us straight to the pit of hell. We're safe tonight, hallelujah. Sin has been taken care of. It says do no more. Listen, we couldn't do a thing. Not a thing. We can't do anything to obtain salvation. We haven't done anything to obtain salvation because we can't work our way into heaven. We can't pay our way into heaven. It doesn't matter how how big a person you are in society and what name you have. None of those will get you to heaven. Nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ. On that one day in your life, for some it's not that long ago, for many others it's a long time ago, like myself. That moment in time when the Holy Spirit came upon us and said, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. Behold, now is the accepted time. And in that moment, the greatest transaction took place in our lives when we accepted Christ. That moment when we accepted Christ is the best thing that could ever happen to you in your life. I trust and pray that you're delighted With that great transaction. If there's no delight in your heart about your saved state, well then dear friends, there's something wrong. If you can't uplift praises to the Lord for your salvation, there's something wrong. If you can't thank God in personal prayer or fellowship prayer with with other believers, then there's something wrong if you can't thank God for your salvation. I hear of, and I have heard of many who struggle in prayer. I've heard many saying, Ronnie, you know, the old devil has a mask across me. A mask across me. And I says, what do you mean? I just, I don't know, I've lost my joy. I seem to have lost my peace. How do I get it back? I remember telling the man, there's an answer to this. He says, what is it? Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. He says, imagine you're looking into hell. Imagine you see all the arms trying to clamber up the walls. Imagine you see the burning. Imagine you hear the screams and the shouts of millions of people looking out. That's how you'll get your joy back. Because you're not going there. Because the Lord saved you from it. Now if that's not worthy of praise, I don't know what is. Praise the Lord with all your soul, with all your might, whilst you still have breath in your body. Oh sin, the greatest battle ever, when they raised Christ on that cross and God sent to today for you and for me. There's also another way of getting your joy back if you're joyless tonight. Can you picture the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you picture how this man is taken by these dreadful, wicked, cruel men and mocked and scoffed, spat upon, bruised and battered and then led out to be scourged. Scourged so badly that Roman lash with the bits of bone and metal ripping into that lovely back And they left them like a, like a ploughed field. The furrows were deep. I remember two women. There's a bit of joviality here this evening, and nothing wrong with it. I love a laugh. But I remember walking down the aisle of a place I was speaking at, and two women were at the front. I'll have to get some cream for these furrows and lines in my head here. You see them lines there? And I overheard it. Would you use pawns cream, do you? No, no, I use an eye cream. And I didn't forget the conversation. I brought it up during the wee the we the wee message. I says, Well I tell you something. Never you worry about the furrows in your forehead consider the furrows and Christ's back. Be more value to your soul. I can tell you how they laid the scourge upon him. And this is for you and for me. Let it sink in tonight. For you and for me. And God allowed it. God allowed it. Three times the Lord asked, is there any other way? The answer was, no other way. My son, you're the way. You're the way that mankind might have the way to come to heaven. No other way but you. And the Lord went all the way to Calvary. All the way. He bore it all away. Sin in its entirety. There's nothing left. Praise God. The slate is clean. Isn't the blood powerful? The blood's powerful. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Yes, the greatest battle ever. Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. I can tell you they laid their hands on him. Battles have been remembered today and Sunday. Don't forget the battle that Christ won for you and for me. And when you lay your ha- your head down on the pillow later tonight, be at peace. Let there be a calm upon your soul knowing that it's all taken care of, how good it is to be saved. Now, strategies of Satan and his demons, we're in a battlefield, made all the more evident by this current upheaval. I don't know what you want to call this year. I don't know what you want to call what's going on. There are many, has different descriptions and names for what's going on. I leave that to you. Suffice to say that this year has been one year of mighty upheaval. Did you ever, ever, ever think that churches would be closed? Did you ever, ever think that you'd be walking about with a mask on? Did you ever, ever think that social distancing would come into a format of so-called living? Not at all. This time last year, we were worried about all the plastic in the sea. We were worried about what would happen with Brexit. Theresa May was looking out and good old Bumbling Boris was looking in. And Bumbling Mar- Boris has made a right mess of it and he still is. Bumbling Boris. And then, of course, we have our own MLS. And I don't know what they're at. But Jim Allister, I don't know much about Jim Allister, but he made a good point there yesterday. But a circus actor, circus something or something. I think he's right. Duffy's Circus wouldn't have a look in. I remember there was an advert for clowns. I remember seeing it in the Throne Constitution many years ago. That's the paper they have in Oma down there. We, have a, we used to have a family business in a place called Fintana. Have you ever heard of it? You could drive through it and sneeze, and you'd be out one end and out the other. But that's where the family business was, and we used to get the Throne Constitution. It was one of those big papers. You had to put it on the, on the, on the wall, and you didn't read it. But I remember there was an advert. My uncle says, "Community, see this. Clowns want it. Circus coming to town. Good wages paid. Why is I can tell you? We should get an advert in, the, in, in all the papers. Clowns want it. And send it to, to Stormont. Why should I can tell you? As well we laugh. But I want to say something to you, dear Friends. Satan is behind all this. And there are things going on right now, dear friends, as I'm on this platform, you're seated around the world that you wouldn't want to know what's going on. Crimes and the hideous acts that are beyond any form of human comprehension. Pedophilia. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. Child sacrifice. What would have been considered hideous 30 years ago is now considered just the norm. The strategies of Satan and his demons. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 11 and 12. I'm actually going to read from verse 10. (coughs) These are the familiar verses, you know, but we will be going to something perhaps you hadn't seen before shortly. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When was the last time you considered the might of the Lord? He's mighty. And he's all mighty. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, pause for a moment. It doesn't say put on the armor of God. It says put on the whole armor of God. The devil is looking for the weak spot. And we have to have the the whole armor of God on in these days. Why? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you have a margin in your Bible, you'll see schemes of the devil. Ken will probably know the Greek for wiles, Methodia. I can't pronounce it as good as you, brother. But Methodia. Is Greek for wiles. It means cunning. It means craftiness. And the devil is a crafty boy. Now, I want to make something very clear here before the Lord. Most importantly, firstly, before God and yourselves, I am not in this platform in any way to glorify the devil. But what I am going to do is, I am going to let you know the reality of the devil. We need more preaching about it. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we've wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I can tell you, the principalities are bad. I can tell you the rulers of the darkness of this world are bad. And I can tell you that there's spiritual wickedness in high places. And you mightn't be surprised where the high places are, where the wickedness is. It's wicked. Don't take things for granted as you see it. Praise God that he looks down upon the face of the earth. And how, I I often ponder this in my quiet time. I wonder how much longer God will endure this sin-sick scene of time. He sees the babies murdered in the womb. He sees the vile, rotten homosexuality. The vile, rotten lesbianism. He sees the even more vile, rotten paedophilia. And all the film stars and pop singers lining up to carry out Satan's will. Oh, he's behind it, all right. He's a strategist. He's a strategist. There's military men employed to be strategists in battle. They work out the manoeuvres for the vehicles, the tanks, the manoeuvres for the men. They're called strategists. Oh, they're the ones that won't be on the front line. They're happy enough to stay in the boardroom and a chalk board and draw out a map. But it's the men of the front line that are fallen. While the strategists stay behind and say, "Oh, that must not worked." We'll try plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, we'll go all the way down to plan Z if we have to. Satan is a strategist tonight. He always has been, but I want to say to you now that he's got the afterburner on. Why? Well, very simply, born again believer, listen to me, you will know this you're genuinely saved tonight, you will know this, that Christ is coming soon. And because of that very fact, Satan has the afterburner on. The demons are out of the closet tonight! And they're in and around everywhere. They're watching us. They're listening to us. What example are you and I, dear friend? They're about even more than they ever were before. I'm going to say something startling to you. I'm going to say this to you. Satan in many churches is in and Christ is out. Let me say that again. And many churches, and many meetings, and many assemblies, term them, label them, whatever you want. But Satan is in, and the Savior is out. Something wrong. Something wrong, isn't there? Oh, the wiles of the devil. His trickery, his craft, the main game. Oh, how he attacks how he attacks and the demons he appoints the demons there was a brother in this tabernacle shared with me three weeks ago something something that I knew in my heart but I enjoyed him telling me it when I was in that low 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 point He says, Brother Ronnie, let me say something to you. He took me aside. He says, Satan appointed chief demons to go to you. Oh, he didn't pick any wee apprentice demon. They'll get the job of going to the one that's doing nothing for the Lord. See, if you're doing nothing for the Lord... That's those type of people that can't understand, those that talk about suffering for Christ. But that man there, sitting in that seat, and his wife, and his girls, and anyone here, and I'm not going to name, I could, but there's mighty warriors for the Lord here. Prayer warriors, workers on the street, men and women who are not afraid to speak out for the Lord. Listen, the strategist Satan is going to appoint demons that will specialize in disturbing your peace and your walk with the Lord. Now this is where we need to hold on here. And this is when you're truly saved and grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love that's going to see you through here. Because if you're like a tree with only a small root system, oh, you might look wonderful foliage and beautiful leaves and branches, but the merest little breeze will toss it over because the roots weren't bedded deep. In the earth. Listen, dear friend, the root has to be deep to stand the storm. And when Satan sends the storms, it's those that are rooted, those that are grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love will come through that storm. There's always something about a storm, no matter how severe it is. No matter how the waves come over. No matter how the wind blows. There's one thing about a storm. A storm passes. A storm passes. Except if you're a coyote on the roadrunner cartoon. He always seems to have a thundercloud over him all the time. But what happens when you get in there? What happens when things happen? When you get into that low place. What do you do? Simon's here tonight. We were to go to Poland, as you know. We had a mission planned. The title of the mission was, Is There Any Hope? Is There Any Hope? Had the messages planned... When we flew in, we were to start the mission straight away. The little church in the Ukrainian border got the leaflets done out, the posters, they were looking forward to it, they're excited. These people over here, they want to they want to come to hear about the Lord. And they'll sit for four or five hours. They're not sitting looking at the what time is that? Is that man's going on an awful long time. No, they're not like that. They have an appetite for the word. And then, of course, what happened? bang, more restrictions. And we watched bit by bit by bit as flights were being canceled. The circus act was ramping things up. We never got. And then, coupled with a few other things that happened, which I don't want to go into here, they're private. the old devil come. He says your title was, is there any hope? He says there was no hope. And then this eye started going. There was some other physical thing with my thumb. I couldn't bend this thumb. It was sore too. It was like an old moaning whinny. Same as an old and Winnie. Grace says, I'm sicky. I said, I honestly feel if it was an old horse, you'd be serious shooting me. Moaning, Winnie. And then when you get to that point where you're not bar shaving anymore. And I'd never experienced this before. But as the sister said, there was that heaviness. There was that weariness. And Poland kept going round and round and round because we've had such wonderful times in Poland over the last three years. And that was a big hit, coupled with other things. I says, Lord, are you there? Of course he was there. But the old devil, he wanted to come and float about and go to and fro in the mind stealing the joy, stealing the peace it's a dreadful place to be in now the strategies of Satan and his demons are very severe very cunning very much to the fore happening right now I want to bring you to what the Lord give me. You may not have come across this before, but this is lovely. Come with me to Second Kings chapter three and 16. Just to give you a very brief outline of this, because time is going on. It's a battle. And Elisha's involved in it. And Moab has come to attack. The Israelites have moved in, but there's a big problem. They have no water. They come to Elisha. These three leaders, And they just say, Elisha, what are we going to do? You're the man of God. You're the prophet. What are we going to do here? We have no water for the cattle. We have no water for the animals. We have no water for ourselves. And the enemy is coming upon us. And this is what the answer was. First of all, I want to just draw your attention to verse 15. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Listen, dear friends, let me say something. Music is a wonderful thing. Praise God for the worship team here. Praise God for the singers. Praise God for the musicians. It's good to lift praises to the Lord. I know of a particular place where they're not singing at the minute. In fact, I know three places where they're not singing. something wrong with a place of worship when you don't sing to the Lord, isn't there? The hymn writer says the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. If you're masked up, you can't sing. Something wrong. That puzzles me a wee bit. But the minister's playing here now. And the Lord is speaking to Elisha. And Elisha just says these words, and he said in verse 16, thus said the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. You're going to say to yourself, well, that's a very strange thing the Lord gave you. It is. But how often in your life has there been remarkable and strange things where the Lord has given you, which have made a vast difference? And you'll never forget them. Now, I look at this. Because when they went and dug the ditches, they obeyed Almighty God and they had to dig. And digging ditches is not easy. Remember, there's no JCBs here. They had to go down and dig. And when those ditches were dug, the water was supplied. But you know what the Lord gave me about the ditches? The ditches are a place of protection. And the water's are and it's a place for protection. And I had to go to the ditch. I didn't go to the banqueting house. The Lord brought me to the ditch. And the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord said, I am with you. Remember my promise, I shall never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll protect you. The Lord said to me, you dig into your faith. You dig into the word that I am giving you. Dig into me and talk to me in prayer. Get into the ditch. Strange that, isn't it? But it was wonderful. That was the strategy that I had to take as a born again believer in the battlefield that I faced six weeks ago. Again, Grace, my wife, lived outside Loughgall, County Armagh. I met her in 1989. There were still troubles ensuing, a lot of trouble. Loughgall would have been a hot point in those days, and I remember that we were walking down the back lane, just we walk, the evening time. And as we walked along this little narrow road, we came just wanted to cross a field to get up to the back, to the back of the house. And as we went up through the field, I noticed something moving and just along the hedge. I thought it was a rabbit, or I thought it was. I didn't know it. Went a bit closer, and I heard it was move on, mate. And there, there was seven soldiers lying in the ditch. The same colour as the grass, same colour as the hedge. Move on, mate. It wasn't long moving. <laughs> if that's an English accent, I can't do it. They were in the ditch. There's protection in the ditch. Not only was there a supply in the ditch here, but there's protection in the ditch. Sometimes we have to get into the trench. Anybody seen the film 19, 17? Ruth loves it. How they started with the tomb. men have been assigned the task and they're making their way, their way through the trenches. And then eventually as the music goes, over the top they go. But when them men are in the ditch, in the trench, there's protection. Put your head up. Listen to your friends. Maybe the Lord will take someone to the ditch rather than the banqueting house. There's lessons to be learnt in the ditch. Sometimes we have to get into a low place for the one from the high place to speak to us, to guide us, encourage us, lead us, instruct us, and walk with us. The Lord became lowly in order that we may be mighty. He came down from the glory and splendor of heaven above, the mighty one. He became the lowly one. He became the lonely one. And he knows you and me better than we know ourselves. That's the Lord. Strategies for the believer in the battlefield? Well, we have to counteract the strategies of Satan, do we? Haven't we? Of course we do. We're not going to give him the victory. Praise God, Christ said it is finished. The old devil's finished. He's the afterburner on now, trying to get as many as he can into the bed of hell. There's many unfortunately fallen into his trap. Praise God, tonight we're all saved from it. So what's the strategies for the believer in this battlefield? Well, Second Chronicles 20, 15 and 17. I'm going to draw this to a close. So we do have to get down to a time of prayer. I love this. These people haven't a clue what to do. They even said it themselves, you know. Again, Jehoshaphat is in this story. If you want to take a look at that last, chapter, or that last book of the Bible, I give you Second Kings, you'll find Jehoshaphat's in that too in chapter 3. But Jehoshaphat's in this one as well. Wonderful stories of battles. Verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. I wonder tonight, dear friend, do you know what to do? Maybe there's something in your life you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, Lord. I have a battle with health. I have a battle with wealth. of a battle in my marriage. I have a battle in my job. I don't know what to do, Lord. The old devils attacking. What do I do? But always look for the butts in the Bible. They're lovely. But our eyes are upon thee. What about saying tonight? But my eyes are on thee. Oh, in that ditch. The old devil wanted me to look at him. No! Christ says, you look at me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. When was the last time you looked into the face of the Lord? What face are you looking at? The face of Coronavirus? What face are you looking at? Despair. Distress. Look upon the eyes of the Lord. On verse 15 and 17, because the Lord's going to take a deal in here. Jehoshaphat is in this situation here. He's fearing. He sets himself before the Lord. He says, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Verse 15, Thou King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God. So whatever battle it is tonight, dear friend, and we're all in the battlefield, and there might be something private and quiet that's going on in your life that you don't want anybody to know. Maybe your wife doesn't know, maybe your husband doesn't know, maybe the family doesn't know, maybe your boss doesn't know. But there's something going on, there's a battle. And you're saying, what strategy do I take here in this battle? And there's your answer. Get your eyes on the Lord. And listen to his voice saying, The battle's not yours. But it's mine. And I'm gonna fight it for you. Even as from the ditch. Soldier says, Move on, mate. The Lord could be saying, move on. Don't get bogged down. Verse 17 says, "Ye shall not need to fight in the battle. Set yourselves. Oh, when's the last time you set yourself? Stand ye still. When was the last time you stood still? See the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. And that's the key thing. The greatest strategy that we can have as a believer in the battlefield is to claim the Lord's company with us. And His eyes are upon us. And he is with us every step of the way. Oh, Satanist strategies. But the great commander in chief, almighty God, the creator and maker and sustainer of this universe has it all in his arms. He is almighty and mighty. Praise his lovely name. All the glory and honor unto Almighty God tonight. So whatever it is, dear friend, in this battlefield, give it to the Lord. They confessed they hadn't a clue what to do. But once they gave it to the Lord, the Lord knew what to do. And the battle was won. I don't know if you're going through a low time at the minute. But I want to say something to you that there's strength, security, and solace through the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Claim that little word all tonight. I preach it all the time. I love the verse. All. 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 Do you want a good strategy tonight for going to bed? Has anybody here got trouble sleeping? And do be saying he snores or she snores. Apparently I snore desperate at night, I don't know. I don't know, apparently so. I don't know if he snores or not, I don't know. But there's one thing I want to say to you, dear friends. If you're not sleeping, if the devil's not letting you sleep, if Satan's saying to you, you know, you're 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 not really forgiven at all, you know. This is one of his big main games. You're not really forgiven at all. How can you lie in this bed here tonight and think that you're going to heaven? You know, remember what you did forty years ago, thirty years ago last week, last night. It's amazing how many people go to their bed and they're about two minutes into it, and they're not able to sleep. They're tossing and turning. They're restless. They're up and down. The old devil's at the main games, isn't they? The old demon's there. It's as if he's sitting at the head, top of the headboard looking down at you. You get him out. Put him to flight. If you want a restful night's sleep tonight, take that wee word all. And he tells it. the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. From all sin. So devil, no matter what you raise here tonight, I don't care if it's 40, 50 years ago. I don't care if it's last night. Listen, I've confessed it before the Lord. And the Lord is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. You tell him that. Because God has dealt with it. Well, the devil wants to resurrect it. But you put it, put it away. Because it a way. All sin means everything. And the devil has no right to come in to disturb your peace and disturb your joy. Go to sleep on it tonight. All. All. I love Ken a few weeks ago. This was mighty. I'd never heard this before. Do it for Ruth here. She's from down that part of the anthem. They wouldn't get that down there. Am I right? No, you keep me right here. Yahweh. Is that it? Yahweh. And I forgot that. But that helped me, powerful. The breath. Take pastor's words with you. Yahweh. But here's another thing. the devil out do that you'll get a powerful night's sleep you will if you don't well then there's someone around with your mattress (laughs) 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 I'm closing sorry I went on so late it's terrible Ken I'm saying you're not getting back again that's it you're never speaking again let me finish in this I love the word solace I said there that strength, security, and solace through the blood. There's a hymn writer called Anna Letitia Waring. She was from the 1800s. I think she's passed away now. But she, she penned these lovely words. Listen to these. Sweet is the solace of thy love, my heavenly friend to me while through the hidden way of faith I journey home with thee, learning by quiet thankfulness as a dear child to be. Though from the shadow of thy peace my feet would often stray, thy mercy follows all my steps and will not turn away. Yea, thou wilt comfort me at last as none beneath thee may. There's something lovely about solace. There's something lovely about peace. It's a peace that is beyond all understanding. It's a peace that we are privileged to have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us as we negotiate this battlefield that we're in. But praise God we're on the winning side because of the one who won the victory at Calvary. Amen.